Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. I'm your host, Dan, and today I have Esther with me. And Esther, you've been listening to the podcast for a while, and you sent me an email the other day after listening to one of my episodes, and we ended up chatting by email about what you do in your classroom to help your students to become lifelong learners. And you talked about this process that you use at the beginning of your classes where you sit down with your students in a circle and chat to them and find out more about them and who they are and their learning process, which I thought sounded super interesting and would be something that would be worth having you on here to chat about. So can you just, before you get started into talking about that, can you tell everyone where you're from and what you teach? Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Um, I am PDHD teacher at Oxford Falls Grammar um, on the Northern Beaches, and um, I'm Year 12 coordinator, soon to not be. <laughs> and um, yeah, I teach uh, yeah 7 through 12 PE and PASS and all the associated things with that. Yeah. Awesome. So this circle chat that you start your class with, can you just describe it in general for me? How do you actually, like, what are you doing with it? What's like... Your process, the what, you know, what is it? <laughs> what is it? It's basically so I can hear every student at the start of the lesson. So everyone gets heard. That's really its purpose. And it's, it's also a casual way of organising the class for it to start. Like the start of the class once circle time has started. Yeah. Cool. And so can you just, just describe, you know, as your students walk in, do they go to their desks first? Have you got the chair set up already? Uh, and then what kind of things do you chat about in this circle? So it changes depending on the room that we have or um, the the class that it is, whether it's a junior class or a senior class. Often senior classes are a lot smaller, so it's a lot easier to kind of make a circle uh, around the desk and not have to do a lot of change. If it's a really big class of 30 year seven girls and they're all, woo, um, as soon as they walk in and hyperactive, um, sometimes it takes a bit of time to really organise a circle, but I usually find taking the time to organise the circle is worth it because it brings everyone right in. Um, and they know that I don't have to say we just walk in and they set up circles. Um, and then I just pose a question for them. We've tried varieties of they do a question or whatever. We've tried so many different things, but generally the general rule is I've got a pre-prepared question and everyone answers it. The exception is someone really doesn't want to we've talked about like if that's a genuine question that you find hard to answer they cannot answer or they can say skip and come back but we try and give everyone a turn yeah cool and then are your questions always like linked to what you're teaching that lesson are they just random questions you put out of a jar somewhere you've googled them and just going what kind of questions should i ask students to get to know them what, what kind yeah. of what are you doing it's really mixed so sometimes it's really clearly linked to the lesson, but it's nice to start with something really open-ended because sometimes I find a lot in PHPE, we're giving a lot of answers and sometimes, some content areas, I find it hard to get them to ask the questions because there's so much I need them to know. Yeah, sometimes it's linked and it's open and um, there's some really good different answers. Sometimes I provide a question and no one likes it and three kids in, they go, miss, new question, like, this one sucks. I'm like, yeah, fair enough. It's not working. So we just change it up on the spot. Um, sometimes it's very personal and sometimes it goes very deep in that moment and I usually roll with it if I don't have a really pressing thing that I need to get done. Sometimes it's super shallow and oftentimes if I'm in a rush and we just don't have time for a good combo or they've come in at the end of, you know, an incursion and we've only got 
20 minutes or something like that. I'll just say, how are you feeling between one and five? Five, you feel, you know, something like that, but just just so I can gauge where they're all at before we get stuck into it. And oftentimes I'll find there's a lot of one and a half and it really helps me, oh, okay, they're feeling there. It gives me a good starting point for my lesson. It feels like a cheat. It feels like sneaky, like, oh, awesome. I've I've just hacked. Great. Now I know where to start. So the questions really range. Sometimes it is I'm on my way and I'm literally on my phone typing into Google for a new question because I forgot a circle time question. And other times I've prepared it weeks in advance and it's building up from other ones and that kind of thing. So I've obviously got documents saved where I've just got the questions I've used because um, classes don't respond well. if You've asked us that before. <laughs> and they remember. Trust me, they remember. So it worked really well in online learning because um, we started every lesson again with circle time, but it was more like grid time. We just go through the grid. <laughs> um, and students really appreciated it. They... um. I think they just find it familiar no matter what happens. And even if I'm absent and I leave a casual lesson, there's always a circle time question. So they still have the same rhythm. So, yeah, but it's totally not my idea. Totally stole it. Yeah. <laughs> Where'd you steal it from? I saw it when I was teaching in Canada. So um, they used to do it in a different way. Um, but, yeah, on, on my exchange there, that was a structure that they did in that, class, in that school. It was a smaller school, a really community feel, so... Um, big circle discussion questions was the vibe there. So I just borrowed it. Now, would you be willing to share your document, your list of, oh, of questions? Course. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So if you are listening and you would like to get that list of questions, you can head over to teacherspd.net slash 95 and I'll have a way there for you to get the, that document with all those questions. Can you give us a few examples of what you've asked for your kids this year? Yeah. Um, so some ones that aren't related to content would be what's the best ice cream topping? Or um, if you were a fruit, what would you be? Or um, are you more like your mum or your dad and why? Who is your closest friend and what's made you so close? Like it could just be totally random. Other questions could be um, what is your least favourite activity that we've ever done? Or which part of the syllabus do you think sucks? Or if, if you could be the teacher, how would you teach? what we learned yesterday or anything like that. Sometimes I learn from them. Like I can ask them something and it really helps me. And I sometimes I take notes. So I did a series of questions over the last year with my year 12 class. Um, and I slowly asked them so many questions about themselves so that when it came to the end just now, I put together a small gift and a card for each of them that was personalized based on their answers to questions in circle time. And it was silly things like, what's your favorite confectionery? Or like, what genre of book do you like? But it enabled me to then know them and you, you can't often just know them when you're trying to get content down their throat so I think I think that's been my favorite and their favorite part because they like to be known so yeah it's, yeah so it does sometimes link if it's content related I might say uh, it might be something to do with how many of you have ever um, had an experience with prescription medication what what's the story or something like that if you're happy to share or something like that or have you ever first aid works really well like have you ever experienced a broken limb? Or anyway, lots of stories come out and um, or embarrassing moments. Yeah, it's really fun. It's one of my favourite parts for life. That's fantastic. And I think you know, getting to know your students is one of the most important things that we do as a teacher. I think if you're not getting to know your students personally, then it's very hard as a teacher to motivate them. It's very hard for you to actually appear like you're even 
on their side if you don't really know them. Particularly, yeah, you know, I used to find with large numbers of students that I would be teaching because you know, in PDH we tend to have a lot of uh, classes every year and you're going to learn all these kids' names and stuff. Yeah. And if you don't get those kids' names down by the end of you know, the first couple of weeks, they already are starting to disconnect from you because you, you haven't quite made that connection. So mm. can you tell me what are the, some of the benefits and advantages of this process that you've seen uh, in your classroom when you're doing this learning then with your students after the circles and you're starting to try and get them to enjoy learning, get the skills of learning or just get the content down their throats. <laughs> yeah. What, what benefits have you seen from the circle activities for, for the learning aspect of what happens in your classroom? Yeah, sure. Uh, I would say when they're on side and when you have a strong relationship or, or a growing relationship, it's a lot easier to communicate. And I, I feel heard and I think the students feel heard when we've got more than just peer content to talk about. So we know other things about one another and, as a teacher, I answer every question as well. And I answer what number I am between one and five. They know how I'm feeling too. And I think that helps them approach me and, and know how to respond to my, my teaching. In terms of, of learning as well, I think the context it provides. So in a circle time recently, one of my students said, oh, um, it was something like what's been a challenge. And it was, something, it was a disaster in the home, like something got destroyed in the home from some natural weather or fire or something like that. And they had moved house 10 times in 13 weeks or something crazy, like a really interesting thing that I would not have learnt from circle time. And, I mean, I'm, I'm sure the school would have been notified, you know what I mean, but um, it was something that was quite personal and, and I could then see, oh, that's why those two tasks weren't completed and it helped me gauge better where the student was at without them having to, in the moment, try and justify something. So even, I guess, contextually, it really helped. Um, but in terms of practical, like, understanding of, of content and those kinds of things, the way that we start is super inclusive. The reason it's a circle is that no one's in front of anyone. There's no desk with someone behind the desk and anything like that. Everyone, there's no overlapping. So if it's crack and we're starting off with circle time, there's no shoulder in front of another person. Everyone's open. And we talk about how that's because we all are included and we're all important. Everyone's valued and everyone's a part of it. And I think that sets a precedent for the remainder of the lesson, knowing that no matter the success or the mark or the quickness of a student, the ability to um, pick up on something, each person has something valuable to contribute. So it really helps in collaborative tasks because it gives a structured practice for what I expect of them. You know, I don't want it to break off into groups and one person dominates. They're all a part of it. I, I think the, like, the big thing is that it's not a super, like it's, it's not like a like pedagogical, wonderful thing. It's just super fun. And it has amazing benefits. And I think when the teacher and the students are both really enjoying themselves, learning is so much easier. When I'm having a good time, I, whatever I'm doing is, is all good. Um, I don't know. I think that's the main gist. It just makes everything a bit more, yeah, like, like we get along, like we know one another. It makes things more enjoyable. I think once, once learning becomes enjoyable and the classroom environment is one that's enjoyable, it helps the students to relax. It helps them to enjoy the learning and then that's going to impact them long-term, I think, because yeah. they're going to remember those lessons where, you know, they were known and they were included and they could constantly uh, just be involved in every bit of things and know that even if they contributed something that ended up being wrong, you know, that didn't actually affect who they were. Or, you know, it was just part of what's going on in your classroom. Getting things wrong is actually a really good part of what's happening. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's, yeah, I think it's been a catalyst for other things. So, um, you know, we've had a circle question where like, okay, if you were to, if we were to make a class playlist, what would it be? And I'm on Spotify making it live and then I can collaborate and I can share it with them. So then they all list a song and we have a class playlist and then we use that in uh, an activity later as well because they've all, and they're all like, oh, but my song's next. And they all identify with what we've created, which was just a casual 10 minute thing. And I've noticed also that if I forget, I get pulled up really quick, like yeah. miss what is our circle question. So the question I think a lot of teachers are going to have is have you found that you've run out of time for teaching the stuff that you actually had to teach throughout the year? Like I'm not talking about in a single lesson. I think in single lessons it could happen. Uh, there'll be other lessons where you had time left over at the end. But have you found throughout the year that you've struggled to get through content because you've devoted you know, time at the beginning every single lesson to this circle time? I actually think on the contrary, students, because they look forward to it, it's almost like the... It's like a reward, but it's a start. And so I might say to them, last lesson, we didn't get through enough, so we're not doing circle time at the start of this lesson. I've only done it maybe twice. And at the end of the lesson, the bell's gone, and they say, can we just do circle time before we go? After the bell has gone. Like, so usually, and that's not saying every class and all the time. Obviously, kids are like, bye, I'm going to recess. But I haven't, I've also set it up so that you don't, you can't do a life story in that time. And if a student just sits there and goes, um, well, I go, okay, next. And we just, yeah, we kind of we plow through. So, But it would be 10 minutes at the start of each lesson. Um, our lessons are about an hour. Sometimes it means I need to maybe put a bit more structure in it, use an online timer when I wasn't going to or something like that, just to make things more concise. As a general rule, no. But then I would also say it doesn't have to be every single lesson. Like people can yeah, use it however they would like to. Um, um, but I think it's powerful, yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to encourage listeners to try it this week, to come up with a question that you're going to ask all of your students at the beginning of your lesson and to go around and see what happens, see if you learn stuff about your students that you didn't know yet already. Esther, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, my pleasure. And guys, if you want that list of questions that Esther already has compiled together for you, please make sure you head over to teacherspd.net slash 95. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you would leave us a review. And of course, make sure that you subscribe and come back and join me next week. Bye for now.